Don't forget to rate us on iTunes so we can continue to bring great content to you. Good afternoon and thank you for joining us. My name is Robin Maggio and I'd like to welcome you to our webinar, How to Maximize the Benefits of Screen Time for Children with ADHD. Today's webcast is part of CHAD's National Resource Center on ADHD's Ask the Expert series. The NRC is funded by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and provides reliable, science-based information about current medical research and ADHD management. We have health information specialists available Monday through Friday between 1 and 5 p.m. Eastern Time. You can reach them at 800 233 40 it is a pleasure to introduce today's expert, Dr. Randy Coleman. Dr. Coleman is the founder and president of Learning Works for Kids, an educational technology company that specializes in using video games to teach executive functioning and academic skills. For the past 25 years, Dr. Coleman has also been the clinical director and president of South County Child and Family Consultants. A, multi, a multidisciplinary group of private practitioners that specializes in assessment and interventions for children with learning disorders and attention difficulties. Additionally, Dr. Coleman's the author of numerous essays and book chapters on the use of digital technologies for improving executive functioning skills in children. He's the author of two books, Train Your Brain for Success, A Teenager's Guide to Executive Functions, and Playing Smarter in a Digital World. Again, we are pleased to welcome Dr. Coleman. Okay, terrific. Okay, thanks. Thanks. Thank you, Robin, uh, and I appreciate you having me here today. I'm looking forward to talking in, to everyone and answering some questions later as well. I want to just tell you a little bit about how I became interested in technology and kids with ADHD. I think that might be helpful in understanding what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, primarily, I do neuropsychological evaluations, been working with kids for about 30 years always asking the families, what do the kids like to do? What are their favorite things? I want to know what's special about kids. I want to know all the positive things about these kids with ADHD who come into my office because they're struggling in school and having difficulties in other areas of their life. And so frequently, I hear about how they love games and technology. 25 years ago, it was they were the kids who fixed the VCRs, for those of you who can remember VCRs. Now, uh, they're the kids who play Minecraft. They're the kids who show their parents how to use their cell phone. So these kids love technology, and I began asking, how can we use those technologies to help these kids? The technologies are something that they could learn from, but obviously they're not learning quite enough because they're coming to my office, and they're still having these difficulties. So I began trying to think about that, and as a result of all that effort, we, we developed the Learning Works for Kids website, which is essentially a technology website for parents and educators to help them to find the games and technologies that can help kids with special needs to improve executive functioning skills and other types of skills as well. So today, what I'm hoping when you, we're done, you will have a better sense of how kids are using technology, why kids with ADHD love these technologies so much, and then looking a little bit about how to take those technologies and to make them useful for kids, to make them really positive. I will say this, the technologies are not going away. Uh, they're here to stay. 
They're, become, they're going to become more and more prominent in our kids' lives. And if we don't interact with our kids and do something about it, they'll just take over the, our kids' lives as well. So the first thing I want to do is talk a little bit more about how prevalent games and technologies are in, in the lives of our kids, whether that be a kid with ADHD or a typically developing kid. It doesn't matter. Technology is everywhere. And it's not just for the kids, by the way. Uh, for many of you adults, I don't know how many of you are have become Netflix junkies. I know my wife has. She's got all of her shows now, and it's like it's a nonstop sort of Netflix party at my house sometimes. But I think that these technologies are, are so powerful for kids because they're growing up with them. Typical kids between the ages of 8 and 18 spend 7 hours and 38 minutes a day, according to a Kaiser Foundation study, working with digital media. That was a 2010 study. A more recent study conducted by Common Sense Media indicates that teenagers are now up to 9.5 hours per day. Uh, I'm sure many of you have kids who bring, you know, who have devices that they're using in school, whether they they have a Chromebook, uh, uh, an, an iMac, excuse me, an, I, an iBook, or even uh, an iPad. I mean, kids kids have all these technologies that they're doing all their schoolwork on as well. Kids with ADHD is another story. I mean, the the data for the most part suggests that kids with ADHD are using technologies about the same amount as typically developing kids. Although there's some anecdotal reports, and many of the parents would probably agree with me that their kids with ADHD tend to use their technologies even more than typically developing kids. We did some studies at, at Learning Works for Kids where what we found is that the technologies that primarily are used by typically developing kids uh, are television first, music second. Whereas what we found with kids with ADHD is that that video games rather than music is their second choice of technology. So why would these kids, you know, rather just play with video games uh, than, than do other kinds of things? Well, first of all, uh, they're fun. Uh, we call it engagement, okay? And they're not engagement, but engagement. Kids are engaged. They are totally focused. They are totally engaged and involved immersed in, in video games and technology. Uh, why? Well, it's multimodal. Okay? It's, it's always changing. Kids with ADHD like things that change. There's all types of stimulation that is going on, sounds, words, actions. Uh, there's clear and immediate feedback. Okay, So the feedback that kids get uh, for, from video games is, is right there. And kids with ADHD respond best to that. They respond best to that when we're trying to help them to, to do some homework or, get, or, or praise them for doing something. Uh, point of performance, immediate feedback is one of the key things that we want to use for kids with ADHD to help keep them on task. Trial and error learning. Okay, through guided discovery is important. Kids, kids, kids don't learn to play a video game by reading the instructions. They learn to play a video game by playing the game and making mistakes. One of the things that we see with kids with ADHD is they don't—they—they—they they, they get too used to getting negative feedback, but they're not getting negative feedback in the games that bothers them. In fact, they understand that that negative feedback is how they're going to learn. And in fact, that's really one of the tools that I always encourage parents to help their kids to look at. In other words, you learn by making mistakes in video games. You can learn by making mistakes when you do your math homework as well. So, 
these kinds of this type of feedback from from video games can be really very helpful for them. They uh, also uh, may find that video games increases the dopamine production in their brains. Dopamine being a neurotransmitter that's associated with rewards and being more focused in the brain seems to be stimulated by video game play and kids may find themselves focusing on that. Now the other thing that I would say that kids with ADHD love about video games and kids in general is that they are really cognitively engaging. The games that kids like, the games they like the most, are not those games where they just shoot them up and kind of see how many things they can knock down or something like that. The games that they become most involved in are games that are intensely engaging in terms of their cognitive skills. Uh, there's a new uh, Zelda game out. I don't know if any of the, the people listening have a child who has the new Nintendo Switch where this Zelda game is, it, it was, was produced for. First game in about five years from the, the, this series, the Zelda series. Uh, I've, I've, I've had conversations with a half a dozen young people already about this game. They can't get away from it. And I'm not talking about I'm not talking about six or six, six or seven-year-olds. I'm talking about 15-year-olds and 20-year-olds who are really engaged in this because of the cognitive engagement. So let's talk a little bit about games and learning. Do kids learn from games? Well, do kids learn from play? That's, that's a, a basic premise of, of child psychologists. The best way for us to have kids learn is to have them play. Younger kids, they learn from their play. They learn to play, you know, whether that be tic-tac-toe, they learn to play hide-and-go-seek, they learn to play all kinds of things from their play. Their play is important for their learning. Traditional play is a powerful tool for learning. Well, in today's world, digital play is part of that, okay? And it shouldn't be the only type of play, and I probably won't have a whole lot of time to talk about that today unless people have questions about this, but I have a, a, a a premise that I call a play diet, a healthy play diet. And in today's world, a healthy play diet for kids, for them to learn, involves some digital play. It shouldn't be all digital play, but it involves some digital play along with social play, physical play, creative play, and unstructured play. But kids can learn all kinds of things from, 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 from technology. They can, they can become real creative. I mean, some of you, I'm sure, have kids who make YouTube videos. That's an incredibly creative process. Not only do they have to create the video and think about what other people might want to watch, they have to learn how to put it up on a site. They have to they learn sharing and cooperating communicating when they're playing online games. Uh, they have to learn cognitive flexibility when they're playing games where they make mistakes and they have to learn from those mistakes. There's, there's plenty of research and data that suggests that uh, Kids are learning skills such as decision-making. The Harvard Business School conducted a study suggesting that people, the best leaders, they could find the best leaders if they looked at people who played the World of Warcraft and took leadership roles in, in, in those games. Uh, video games can improve processing speed. Kids can get better at processing information more quickly and efficiently. It can improve problem-solving skills. Uh, there are games that, are, that, that have been designed that can in, in, increase the effectiveness of psychotherapy. Uh, certain games have been shown to really build the brain. For example, uh, um, Tetris in, in, improves, the, improves, uh, improves brain efficiency. Flexibility is, is seen in kids who play the game StarCraft. 
Great. Uh, one, st one study was really interesting that they, they did a study where they, they showed the game Rayman Raving Rabbits improved reading fluency. So they actually compared a group of kids who they did reading, reading instruction with for 20 hours and they let kids play this particular video game for 20 hours. The kids who played the video game for 20 hours improved their reading fluency skills far more than the kids who got the reading instruction. There are also all kinds of really cool new games, and I'm talking about popular games for the most part here, but there are also now some cool new games and technologies, uh, one of which is really interesting, uh, developed by Achille, uh, a game called Project Evo that's going to be designed specifically as a tool for helping kids with ADHD. And they designed Project Evo from the perspective of starting with making a popular game with game mechanics that are interesting, engaging, and fun and then moving from there and then building the other things around it. Most of the games that I'm talking about today are games that are designed specifically uh, for being fun, but also have these other skills that, are, that, are, that kids are using when they, when they play the games. Now, of course, there are the negative pieces to this as well. In addition to the things that you're seeing on your screen, you have to ask yourself this question, and I think it's pretty logical. To, to, the answer is pretty logical, which is, are video games and technologies and the things that we're seeing in our world today decreasing our attention spans? I can tell you it does with me. Okay, uh, For those of you who uh, might like sports, or particularly football, uh, there's something called the red zone that the NFL has on every Sunday that, that flips from game to game to game. It's oftentimes within 5 to 10 seconds. I can barely watch it. My 20-something-year-old my kids love it, and that's what they want to see. They want to see something for a brief amount of time and, and, and then go switch it on to something else. But the, the fact is that this, so, the technology is out there for so many things that we get bored very easily with things. Uh, you know, you can, you can join Spotify to get music, and you can try a song, and you don't like it, and boom, you flip to another song. So we have these very short attention spans for things that we, we don't like, so that, that's one of the things that's going on. There's some really good data. There's a, uh, see what it says, the, the pediatrics report here, three hours a day. Andrew Shabilsky, who's a psychologist who works out of Oxford in England, did a study where he found that kids who played video games for one hour a day were actually healthier psychologically and did better scholastically than kids who didn't play at all. That's a fascinating finding. Now, keep in mind, I'm talking about video games here. So when I say one hour a day with video games, I'm not talking about all their technology and screen time use. The screen time use includes all kinds of other things, watching television, uh, texting their friends, uh, using Instagram, Twitter, whatever, whatever, the, whatever the kids are using. But what he found in Shabilsky's study was that kids who played for more than three hours a day had poorer psychological adjustment. They tended to struggle more in school and had actually lower self-esteem. So there are some clear negative factors with, uh, with video game play, and there are many other ones in terms of, certainly we have some concerns about obesity and kids not getting enough exercise. And, and if you've got a kid with ADHD, one of the things that I can tell you is that they need to exercise, okay? They need to be outdoors. They have actually, we've, there's been a few different studies specifically with kids with ADHD. We've been actually conducting a study at Learning Works for Kids. We've got about 600 kids now in our, in our study. And for the most part, what we're finding is that kids with ADHD are playing games the same amount, that they're not showing any particular negative effects. However, a study that was done in 2009 suggested that kids with ADHD who played for more than one hour a day showed shorter attention spans. And 
studies that have been conducted with kids with ADHD and autism spectrum disorders indicates that these, this population of kids has more difficulties with transitioning and stopping video gameplay, and I'm sure that resonates for many of you. That's probably one of the things that I hear most in my practice with kids, which is, how do I stop my kid from playing? Because it's so difficult for kids with ADHD to transition from anything. And video games being as engaging as they are, are particularly difficult for that. So one of the things that I thought about when I started getting involved with this is what are the skills that video games kind of actually practice and employ? And um, what we found is that video games employ a great deal of executive functioning skills. They require planning. They require cognitive flexibility. They require sustained attention. They require working memory skills. And so the question becomes, how can we use the skills that the kids are practicing in games to actually improve their executive functioning skills outside of the game? And there are three basic methods that we look at for using games and apps and other technologies to help make game-based learning into real-world learning, if you will. The first one is thinking about practice. That if kids are practicing a skill in the game, we may be able to help them to see how they could use that same game-based skill to use in the real world. And that's primarily something you'll see in video games. Another way we think about using games and technologies to help kids improve their executive functions is the idea of support. So, for example, a time management game or, or an app like uh, Notability, which helps kids to record a lecture and be able to take notes, can provide a support or structure to help with weak executive functioning skills. And the best types of games, which we have very few of, are games where kids can actually master the skill in the game in such a way where they can apply it in the same exact way and know how to apply that to the real world. Th those games are few and far between. Uh, the, the newer games that are coming out, such as Project Evo and other games that are designed specifically for kids with ADHD or autism spectrum disorders, where they're actually using a skill in the game that they're going to try to apply in the same way will be very helpful. Those, are, those games, like I said, are few and far between. So how well do these skills actually transfer to the real world? Well, you can't just play video games and get better at planning. You might get a little bit better at planning. You can't just play video games and be totally flexible and, and be able to solve problems better. However, there are some modest improvements that we can see in, 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 in this, both in terms of the research and in terms of what kids will tell us. The big issue with these kinds of concerns is the idea of what we call generalization. How do you learn something in one place and apply it to, to, to another place? And that's where the work that we're doing at Learning Works for Kids, the work that we're doing even today talking about this comes into play, which means that we have to begin thinking about these games and technologies as teaching tools. Some are better suited for teaching kids with ADHD than others. We'll talk a little bit about those kinds of games shortly. But that what happens is we really need to transfer those games, excuse me, transfer the skills from games to the real world. That doesn't happen immediately, particularly for kids who struggle to transfer their skills to begin with. Almost by definition, if when we look at kids who have attentional difficulties or learning difficulties or social skills problems, they're not taking skills that they might have learned in one setting and applying them to the other. But we can do it. Okay? And there are reasons to use games for this, not just to have a discussion with kids. First of all, if you have a discussion with kids with ADHD about improving their social skills or problem solving, they're probably going to listen to you for a very brief amount of time. 
but kids love playing video games. They love talking about video games. They love learning from video games. They they actually want to sell their parents on the idea. Hey, I'm learning from video games. Look what I've learned. So and they do it, and they really are practicing and rehearsing some of these kind of executive skills when they're playing those games. But the games are just not enough. Uh, we really need to take from the games and make that into real-world learning. Okay, and so. It would be nice if we could uh, have embedded skills right in the game, but for the most part, that doesn't happen. So the way we talk about doing that is, let me just see if that's our next slide. Okay, well, no, actually, I don't have that slide. In. So, but the game's not enough. So the way the way we talk about doing that at Learning Works for Kids is we help parents to understand. Okay, good. All right, so what I'm talking about here is how do we determine what makes a good teaching tool for kids with ADHD? And part of it is just you know finding the, the, the games and, and apps that might improve specific executive functioning skills that the child struggles with, whether that be a child who struggles with planning skills or a child who struggles with working memory skills. And we can find games like that. I was saying earlier that it's really easy to find those games on our LearningWorks for Kids website. You can just go onto the game search and you can find specific games that target those skills. At the same time, there are other kinds of games that are probably worth taking a look at. Puzzle games are terrific. They can help with time management. They can help with cognitive flexibility. They can help with planning skills. Kids with ADHD often have difficulties in these areas. And I would encourage you to find, and, and planning and, and puzzle games are fun. I mean, they're, the, they're also, the, actually, interestingly enough, the kind of games that parents will oftentimes want to play with their kids, as opposed to some of the other kinds of games. Games, active games, games where kids have to move. Some of the old Nintendo, uh, Nintendo Wii games, some of the Kinect games, where, where kids are moving is wonderful. They're wonderful for ADHD kids, because ADHD kids, we know, benefit from, from exercise. Exercise increases the amount of brain-derived neurotrophic factor that helps them to pay attention. So anything we can do to get kids moving using video games can be helpful as well. So what do you do? First of all, you try to play with your kids. Okay, As much as you can, you play together with your kids. You, 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 you want to be involved in your kids' technology use. You want to learn how to choose and use the right games for your kids. They're going to want to pick their games as they get older. But for younger kids, probably kids under the age of... You know, eight, nine, ten, you can probably pick a lot of the games. When they get older, it's a little harder. But there are still many games that they're going to pick that you can use to help them. Uh, you can uh, find games that pr promote kids to be more metacognitive, to be reflective, to think about the skills they use in the game, because we want to make game-based learning into real-world learning. Okay. So here are some additional tools for finding games. There's a, uh, there's a link up here for an ebook that I wrote that is totally free. You can just, if you can, if you, you can click on that probably in the slideshow or just write that down, the, the learningworksforkids.com slash ADHD dash parents dash ebooks. And it's an ebook about uh, using video games for kids with ADHD and improving executive functioning. So that's a, that's a great way to, 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 to find out some additional games as well. Here are a few games that I think are actually useful for kids with ADHD specific games. But again, I would encourage you this hundreds more games and apps that you can find on the website to look at this. Uh, Dragon Quest Builders is kind of a Minecraft-like game. 
uh, and it uh, it involves organizational skills, planning skills, and working memory skills. Three of the skills that are probably most important for kids with ADHD. Connect Sports is just an example of one of the, the movement games. Like I said, there's any Connect Sports games, any of the, the Wii movement games. Video games that get kids up and moving are just good for kids with ADHD. And also, by the way, fun for parents to play with their kids. This is an app, uh, BrainPop. It's, it's an online site. Uh, we love it for kids with ADHD because it's a lot of learning, and more academic learning than other things, but there are games built into it that keep the kids engaged. So for kids that I see in my practice, I'm frequently saying to the parents, BrainPop is a wonderful tool for your kid to be learning over the summer. I think that most kids with ADHD or any learning, and especially kids with any learning issues, they should be in school 12 months a year. And I don't mean school in the schoolhouse 12 months a year, but they need to be learning 12 months a year. BrainPop is a wonderful tool for that. Uh, we think it's a, it's, it's a great way to engage kids with ADHD who might not want to be reading or, or doing other things, other, doing other kinds of learning activities, but this is a way to get them engaged. That is my last slide. Um, what I will ask everyone to do, if they if they're interested and can help us, is to go and find us on you know on, on Facebook, uh, Learning Works for Kids on Facebook. Following us on Twitter is is always help. It's helpful. We've got a great Pinterest, really active Pinterest site. So all those kind of social media things help us to get the word out to other people. And if you have friends or family who have kids with ADHD, we've got lots of information. We it's, it's, you know, we want to share it with people and, and, and let them be able to, to use that so that they can make better use of these games and technologies. Okay, great. Thank you, Dr. Coleman. Ready for questions, Rob. We will move right into questions. Um, so as a reminder to our participants, I think everyone has found where they can submit their questions, but we will get to as many questions as possible. So a couple of questions we have in are coming about transitioning from using screens, using technology um, back into other activities. Do you have any suggestions about how to make those transitions smoother? That is probably the most difficult question I get asked. It really is. I, you know, and so let me let me tell you what I, some of my thoughts. First of all, I think to the degree that a parent understands what a kid is doing with their technology, that can help. So, for example, if they're playing a sandbox game like Minecraft, just understanding that that game is endless, uh, and 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 sitting down with the kid and saying, let's set a goal of something you can do, so you'll be able to quit and leave the game is important. Understanding that for some kids. They'll, they'll be playing a game like Minecraft, or they'll be playing, uh, they, they might be playing a game on Steam. There's certain game, certain online games on Steam that if they if they quit the game, they literally get in trouble. They, lo they, they lose points. They, 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 they can become kind of a, a persona non grata. So understanding is, is one of the first things that you want to do. If you understand that stuff first, you're probably going to have a little bit less of a problem. A, sec a second thing to do is really to you know so to have some clear limits as to when kids can play um, the you know the 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 old school was that oh these things are bad for kids well I think if you look at the games differently and you recognize that there's something positive that the kids can get out of it you can you can set better limits on that because you might be able to set some limits on games that you don't want them playing for a long time but allow them to use technology in some other ways um, you know 
practicing with kids with ADHD uh, on tra and transitions in other areas is likely to be helpful as well. So if you can find some ways to help them to be able to transition from freight, so for example, getting ready for bed at night, if you find some ways that work there, using the same kinds of tools can be helpful. And if necessary, you need to be in control of the controller. And what I mean by that is most of the games that kids are playing these days uh, are not console games. And if they are console games, you can take away the controller. But they're Internet games. And if you're in charge of the Internet and you're really getting into arguments with the Internet, you can say, listen, I'm, I'm shutting the internet off, internet off on the house at this point in time. In order to do that, you might need to have the Internet based out of your own bedroom, your router. You know, you're in, you, you, know you may need to have it in your bedroom. There are, there, are tool, there are tools and apps that you can buy that you can shut it off as long as you don't let your kids know your passwords, of course. So if you really have to go that far, you can do that as well. Great, thank you. What about we have a parent who plays online games with, with their child a lot and finds that he gets frustrated, um, especially when he's losing and wants to quit. So any suggestions on to help um, your, their child persevere? Sure. Well, that's and that's actually one of the ways that video games, I think, for many kids, actually works in a very positive way. So let's let's let before I answer the question, let's take a step back and take a look at that. You know, as I was saying earlier, almost by their very nature, video games require that you learn by making mistakes, that you recognize that you're going to be frustrated, you recognize that there may be a boss level that's so difficult to beat that very few people beat it. Uh, you know that that so that kids will oftentimes kind of learn that, and I think that for many kids with frustration, if you can help them to recognize how they have learned from previous levels where they didn't succeed, where they struggled, where it was difficult for them, is the beginning of helping them to become less frustrated in other places. Hopefully, not just when they're playing video games, but hopefully when they bring home their math problems that they don't know how to do, or when they get a bad grade in the test and they say, "Okay, I need to do the, do some things differently." Um, I do think that you know some of the traditional kinds of tools that we use to help kids in learning how to handle frustration would be helpful. If you're playing a video game with your kid, one of the things to do is to is to model a little bit of frustration yourself, and then model solving that you know that problem. So in other words, you know, being a little frustrated. You know, I mean, you know, maybe we don't want to swear in front of our kids, but saying, "Oh shoot," you know, why did that happen? And kind of allow the child to see that you will get frustrated as well. And then say, okay, you know, stepping back and, and showing them what they can do. Uh, another tool that can help with, with frustration when those kinds of things happen is to take that as an opportunity for learning. One of the things that, that uh, you can do with video games these days is you can learn to play these video games by watching other people play these video games who are really good at it. So pairing up with your child and going in and watching some uh, YouTube videos of other people who are experts in playing the video game might be a way to learn how to beat that level or to, to succeed more readily, to develop some new skills. And it's also an opportunity to share some, share some time with your kid to kind of do that. It's a, it's a, again, it's a way of saying, how do I learn more so that I can get better at things? It's one of the lessons that I think we want kids to take from this. Uh, and I'm sure that many of the parents out there have kids who love watching YouTube videos. Uh, oh. And by the way, while I'm thinking about this, actually, one of the things that we've developed at LearningWorks for Kids, we've got a, I've got a couple of students who work with me. These are all gamers. And, and by the way, I need to make a disclaimer, okay? Uh, 
I am I am not a gamer. I I, I am a, a, an old man by gaming standards. Uh, I love watching games, at least the Patriots and the Red Sox. For those of you who might be New Englanders or who don't like the Patriots, that's okay too. Uh, but I'm not a gamer. So the the kids, and they are kids. The, the the kids who who help us to develop many of the, these these pieces that, that we do at LearningWorks for Kids are gamers, and they're 20-something they're gamers. One of them has developed a series, probably about at this point, I'm going to guess about 150 uh, YouTube Let's Play videos. They're those videos that show people how, you know, show kids how to play video games. But our, our Let's Play videos come with a twist. They come with a twist because each of the Let's Play videos tells the kid a little bit about the executive functioning skills that they use in the game, and gives them a little hint about how they might apply those same skills in the real world. Again, all this stuff's totally free. You can go on to, to our YouTube channel uh, and check those out. And we're actually starting to do a whole bunch of these uh, YouTube videos for parents. So if you want to learn a little bit more about how to play Minecraft or what it's about, or you want to go play Pokemon Go with your kid, or you want to learn some skills about setting limits, you can go on to our YouTube channels and find our videos there as well. And again, I very much appreciate if you can share those with other people who'd have an interest. Uh, we think they're really great. We have not done anything to publicize them, unfortunately. This is probably the most publicity that they've ever, ever gotten. And uh, I think they're just a great tool. They're fun for kids, by the way. You know, we, saw, we made these videos in a way that they'd be fun. And once they're fun, then we can teach kids something. And that's, what again, one of the beauties of video games. Great. Thank you. We, we actually have on that same topic with YouTube, we have someone who's asking about, um, you know, there's the videos of the people playing video games on YouTube, and so do you have any thoughts on those? Are there any um, positive skills that can come from watching a video of somebody else playing video games? Well, so, so Robin, that's what I was really just talking about. Those, those, are, those are called Let's Play Videos. Uh, and you know, that's what we've you know we've developed you know hundreds of these let's play videos on popular games to 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 show the kids not only how to to do certain things in the game that the kids want to learn, but also to 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 emphasize to them to kind of get them to be reflective of the fact that they're actually using certain kinds of skills when they play those games. So I'd like to say that some of the stuff that we're doing there is kind of on the, on the forefront of using those let's play videos as an opportunity to learn something about the game. There are, you know, I'm sure some of the parents have, have, have watched the kids uh, uh, with some of the Minecraft videos. Stampy, uh, what's the, Dan TDM, I think. Uh, T, I think it's TDM. I mean, these guys are making all kinds of videos. In fact, actually, they're, they're, the other thing they're doing is they're writing books about Minecraft, and those books are becoming bestsellers. Kids who don't like to read. If you have a kid with ADHD who loves Minecraft but doesn't like to read, one of the things you might want to consider is going to your local Barnes & Noble and finding uh, the, the bookshelves. And I, when I say bookshelves, I mean many bookshelves full of Minecraft books. So, but anyway, but, but many, there are many people who are making these uh, Let's Play videos, and, and sometimes this is what kids are doing. And is it a waste of time? In some ways, you know, it's like, it's, you know, kids can overdo it. They can spend hours and hours and hours doing it. Most of the time, kids are, kids are watching people who make these videos because they're funny, they're entertaining. They kind of know the characters. Uh, they they almost feel as if they have a kinship with the people who who make these videos. Uh, but if you if and if you take but if you take another step back from it, 
how different is watching somebody play a video game versus watching somebody play football or basketball on, on TV? Is it that different? It's a little different, but it's not that different. So, so sometimes parents look at that and they go, oh my God, this is the strangest thing in the world. But if you, if you, if you take a step back, you might, think it, you might see how that, that's the case. I would, I would tend to say that you, know, you want to look at that as kind of part of a kid's recreational screen time. So that, you know, so much, only so much of it is, is worthwhile. There are a lot of great videos on YouTube for learning, but, you know, most of the Let's Play videos at, at some point are, are more about fun and, and, and laughter and, 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 and sometimes teaching the kids how to play the games. Great, thank you. Well, switching topics slightly, we have a couple questions aimed more towards teenagers um, and preteens, but for a Teenager, what about helping um, 17, 18, 19 year olds um, really develop a healthy habit as it relates to using technology, um, especially if they might be needing screens to study, um, you know, and really just balancing everything out for those uh, older children? Tricky question. Um... And, and this goes back, and sometimes it's really hard to retrain a teenager who's who's spent an awful lot of time with video games. So it's it's. I, I wish there was a magical answer to this that you could you could you know that you could do something you know with a teenager who's already got some ingrained habits. However, I do think there are some things that you can do, and I think there are some really important things to do. First thing you got to do as a parent is you have to model that, okay? And and you know you you really have to sort of model having. A balanced life yourself, where you know you're doing more than you know staring at screens, and you're not uh, sitting at dinner time looking at your cell phone, and you're you know you're you you're not checking your texts when you're driving or whatever that is. I think the modeling piece is is really important. Uh, a second thing is is what I call a healthy play diet. I mentioned this earlier. To me, that is the core thing that we want to do with kids these days is to help them have a healthy and balanced play diet. It doesn't mean that digital play is bad. Digital play is just fine, but digital play needs to be there as a part of a balanced and healthy play diet. And the kids need to do other activities. The, I think the focus oftentimes needs to be not so much on get away from the screen, but make sure you're doing other things so that... You know, I, and I am a really huge believer, for everybody, uh, and, 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 I, and I say this not just saying this. I'm gonna when I when I get done today, Robin, I'm gonna go home and exercise. I think that exercise should be something that people do every single day. And for kids with ADHD, they need it. So that we need to kind of help these kids develop a healthy play diet by saying you need to do these things in your life. And if you've got extra time to play video games, go for it. But they need to be outside. They need to be exercising. They need to have regular, vigorous exercise on a daily basis. They need to have some other interests and activities. So parents sometimes need to really work hard to make that happen. Sometimes that means, you know, to get them to exercise, that might mean, you know, driving 25 minutes to the local YMCA where there's a swimming pool. If that means helping them engage in more social play, that might mean driving them back and forth from uh, being on the stage crew in, the, in their at their high school for a local for their for a play that's going on, you've really got to make some effort to do that. Um, you've got to you you know you've got to help them to develop some peer peer relationships that involve things outside of games. Now keep in mind that much of kids' social activities today involve technology, uh, whether that be Instagram or texting. 
you know, and, and, and it's funny because I, I was having a conversation with some young people the other day how they would tell me how Facebook, which used to be where the, well, the kids went, is now just for old people. So it changes all the time. But, but their, their, social, their social involvement involves technology. So we have to recognize that that is really part of their, their social play, if you will. Uh, and as much as adults want their social play to be, you know, often face-to-face, -face, we want to just try to help them have a little bit better balance so they have a little bit more of that face-to-face. -face. You know, 30, 40 years ago, kids came home after school and they might have gone over to their friend's house to play in their basement. Now they each go to their own basement and they get on the TV and they play with each other that way online. So it has changed. So I think you also have to recognize that as well. All right, and to follow up with that, thank you. That was some great advice. And to follow up, we do have some specific questions from parents wondering, so how much time is a, per day is a good recommendation? Okay, so let's, let's make the distinction here between video game playtime and other screen time, okay? And it's, and first of all, there's not one size that fits for all. Okay, that's, that's, you know, parents need to take a look at their own sensibilities about these issues. They need to look at their, their own kids. So if we've got a kid, for example, who is on the tennis team, you know, getting all A's and B's in school, has a lot of friends, uh, uh, gets his homework done or her homework done really easily, but has, you know, two and a half hours you know, at nighttime when, when she and her friends play, you know, some kind of video game online, it's probably okay. So, you know, on the other hand, there are a lot of kids where that's not okay because it's taking too much time away from their other activities. Kids, kids, kids have screens in front of them all the time now. The most kids, uh, e even, even in first and second grade now, are doing lots of their homework uh, on, on the screen. You know, they're, they're, they might be using IXL Math or Dreambox Math. They might be using Lexia for reading. They, there's all kinds of things that are happening on screens these days. So we have to make that distinction. And again, we also have to make that distinction about screens as an opportunity for communication. That's how kids communicate. So we have to take a look at that. The data, though, is, is pretty good that says, you know, video games for an hour a day, probably fine. Maybe even two hours a day. Two, the, the data when they... When Shabilsky did that study out of England, what he found is two hours a day didn't seem to be helpful or harmful. So kids playing two hours a day didn't really get as much benefit as the kids who only played one hour a day, probably because those kids who played one hour a day were getting benefits from other things as well for their psychological health. But two hours a day was not problematic. The, the recommendations and the, and the approaches that have been taken by the larger organizations have changed in recent years. The American Academy of Pediatrics for the longest time said, you know, there should be no screen time for kids under the age of two. They said one hour of screen time a day, there's all kind of screen time a day for kids, was what they should have. And they've changed their tune because it's just not realistic. It has nothing to do with the reality of what's going on with kids these days. So they've changed their, their approach to that as well. Uh, they're recognizing that interactive game time with parents involved for younger kids is, is okay. They're also recognizing that kids are going to spend more than one hour a day on screen time. That's just not realistic in today's world. Uh, there are, however, kids who, who run the risk of becoming addicted to screens and addicted to technology. We have a new disorder in the DSM-5 called Internet Gaming Disorder. Uh, it's the, the estimates are that almost 8% of kids may be prone to that. And what we know about kids with ADHD, of course, 
is that kids with ADHD and adults with ADHD are more prone to addictive problems. So there's a higher risk for kids with ADHD, and we need to recognize that kind of stuff. Not happening quite as much here as it is in other countries. In, in, in other countries, in the, you know, in, in South Korea and China, we're seeing you know real serious concerns with this. Less so in the U.S., but it's but it's there. So recognizing these issues and, and, and setting some limits is appropriate. I would say in general, if you can keep kids older older teens, you know, with video games from one to two hours a day with some flexibility. You know, sometimes it's a rainy, snowy day in their home for a long time. They get a new game at Christmas. They're going to play for a long time. But try. But the but again, I think the key is focusing on the other activities so that there's just less time for video games. I mean, one of the one of the rules of thumb that I talk about with parents with kids with ADHD all the time is if you can keep your kid really busy. I say if you go on a, for example, if you're going on a road trip, and you 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 should bring, you know, a road trip bag that's about, you know, you know, that, that the size of about 10 normal purses, you know, filled with stuff for the kids to do. The more you can keep a kid with ADHD active, engaged, and involved in, in positive activities, the less there is time for problems. So, you know, that kind of approach I think is 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 really important. Great, great, thank you. Well, I'm going to switch age groups again. So we have a question. What about younger kids who maybe eight to nine year olds who get overstimulated with video games and parents are seeing that it negatively impacts their behavior? Um, any suggestions for what they might do for that? Yeah, yeah, that's, you know, that's a real concern. There is a small group of kids where I think that that really happens. Uh, and, you know, for some of those kids, unfortunately, and it's really hard, you've got to really be very highly restrictive with the technology. Uh, I, I, I don't like that particularly well, and I think that when I say highly restrictive, it's got to be, you know, maybe it's, it's always supervised, it's always with the parent, it's always with an older sibling, or, or they're not allowed to do it. Um, Victoria Dunkley, if those of you who might want to read her stuff, I think it's D-U-N-K-L-E-Y. She's written a book about this. And, and she, I, I don't buy into everything that Victoria says, but I think she is targeting a group of kids where that video gameplay is actually destructive to, to, to their, their health. And again, I think that's a very small, select group of kids. I think that what we want to do before we kind of take all that stuff away is work with them with frustration, work with them in using games as a reward. And I don't like actually using games as a reward. Let me take a step with that for a second, which is the reason I don't like using video games as a reward, it almost sounds like it's, it's, it's saying by its very nature that if video games are a reward, it's almost like having dessert after you eat your dinner. I'm suggesting that video games can be positive in nature and there's a lot to learn, so they shouldn't always be used as a reward. Maybe extra time on video games is a reward but not just the access to them. I think they're part of kids' kids' world today. If kids, kids who don't know how to use technology are going to be behind, their, be behind their peers in many areas. So I think it's really important to look at that. But like I said, there is that population of kids that, that we may really need to stop their access to technology. Uh, preferably, we're trying other kinds of things to not have that happen. We're trying to help them handle frustrations better. We're helping, we're, we're modeling some of those kinds of things as we talked about earlier. Uh, we're, we're, we're showing, we're, we're having them play with an older sibling who can be reassuring to them. We're, have, we're, 
we're doing things where we're playing, maybe we're starting with games where frustration is not so problematic. So for example, you know, maybe the transition is difficult, but they're not being frustrated from the game. So, you know, their sandbox games, for example, may be difficult to transition from, but they're less likely to run into frustration, particularly where it's more creative game, where they're not playing against someone else. So selection of games may be important as well. Great, thank you. I think just time for one final question, and it's again sort of along those same lines of um, what you were talking about as a reward or not a reward, but specifically with as digital play might relate to homework time. Do you have any suggestions on is it better to structure it in before homework, after homework, in the middle of homework? Um, any any thoughts on what might work better? Well, if we're asking this question, that, that I'm assuming that homework is not getting done readily and, 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 and uh, you know, that the kid's not just saying, I'm going get to get it done. Uh, for the most part, my suggestion around video games and homework is that video games come after homework. However, I have another suggestion that sometimes does not ring true for, for many families, but I think it's a, a worthwhile one for many kids with ADHD, is that before homework comes exercise and running around that if kids get outside, run around, and I'm talking about, you know, a, a fair amount of time. I mean, there is some data that, by the way, suggests that in a, in a classroom, 12 minutes of exercise improves executive functioning skills for the next 45 minutes. I'm not sure how much I buy that study, but, it, but, it's, but it's out there. But I would say that homework comes before video games. Video, uh, the, the idea of kids who struggle with homework, I don't want them coming home, playing a video game, as a way to relax and then doing their homework. I don't want them coming home watching TV in the screen time and then doing their homework. I want that, that, that screen time to be after homework is done. I'm not saying other kind of play shouldn't happen before that, and particularly active, vigorous, physical play, I think, should come before that. You know, not for all kids. I mean, and again, this is something that parents need to look at, that, that you know, what fits their own sensibilities and what works for their kids. It's not one thing that's going to work for all kids here. You know, there are some kids who they're in the school mind, you know, and they're better off just doing their homework. There are some kids who are coming home with ADHD and the meds are still working, boom, let's get the homework done. But if your kid's coming home, they don't take medication or the medication's worn off, they can't concentrate, they're burned out from school, getting them to run around, getting them to be outside, to me, is the first step, not video games. Video games is not going to help them get their homework done. Great, thank you. Well, that is all the time we have for our webinar today. So thank you so much, Dr. Coleman, for a wonderful presentation. And this concludes today's webcast. Want school mornings to be stress-free? Planning the night before can make mornings run more smoothly for you and your child. Place a basket or box by the front door for backpacks, lunch boxes, coats, jackets, and whatever else your child might need to grab on their way out. For more tips to get the school year started right, go to the CHAD website, www.help4adhd.org. That's www.help and the number 4 adhd.org.